A few years ago, my family and I were out to dinner, and as we walked through the restaurant toward our table, my then seven-year-old daughter perked up and sniffed the air and turned to me and said, Dad, smell that? It smells like wine. That's a proud dad moment right there. <laughs> and sure enough, the table we were walking past was sharing a bottle of red. And I thought about that story today because we just heard one of my favorite gospel stories, the wedding in Cana. Now, Cana is a town in the region of Galilee. And Jesus, presumably, you know, we, we believe, grew up in Nazareth. And so Galilee is not that far away. It would sort of be like going from here to a wedding in Denton or McKinney, of course, on foot. So not that far, but far enough away. But you would probably know a few people. And so Jesus and his family were likely connected to this family getting married in a pretty significant way. Now, this story of the wedding of Cana in Galilee only appears in the Gospel of John. This is the way John chooses to write how Jesus begins his public ministry. Not a sermon like Luke or Matthew, not an exorcism like Mark, but a miraculous transformation of water into wine. Now, as we consider this story, we might be tempted to kind of toss this off as a really great party trick. Or perhaps as Episcopalians, we think that it's gratifying that Jesus would have launched his ministry in the only sensible way, with some fine wine. But let's connect what's going on here in this story a little deeper. Jesus takes something that is plain and makes it something special. Jesus takes something that is ordinary and makes it very fine as an example of what God can do in the world. This story goes well beyond the technical components. It's not about wine. This story is about grace upon grace upon grace, the extreme extravagance of God's grace. And it's not just about water to wine. If you'll indulge me with a little math, let's take a look at what the story is actually saying happens. In this story, there are six stone jars of water. We know that they each hold between 20 and 30 gallons of water. So because God is generous, Let's say they all held 30 gallons of water. That means that there is between 120 to 180 gallons of water. So we'll go with 180 gallons of water. And if we assume that the average bottle of wine contains 750 milliliters, so that a case holds nine liters, then that means that Jesus' miracle didn't just make a little extra wine. Jesus' miracle created more than 1,000 bottles worth of wine. That is extreme, an extreme example of God's extravagant grace. So the point of this story, not to make us think of a nice dinner party where the host opens a couple of nice bottles after dinner, this miracle is meant to make our heads swim with the scale of the miracle, the scope of the transformation. The wine that he created was more than they could have ever drank at that party. What we get from this story is God's excessive grace. God's grace that pours out over everyone in every way. And this connects with our season of Epiphany. 
Right now we are living into the season of Epiphany, and Epiphany literally means learning something new, right? Having epiphanies. They are revelations. They are realizations of what is true that we might not have seen beforehand. That's really what a story like this is meant to point to. This first miracle at the wedding in Cana is one of those epiphanies. For people, they see Jesus, and when he does what he does, God's grace surprises the people who are there. And we know about gifts, particularly spiritual gifts. We know in the church that we are all given these unique gifts to use in the world for good. I remind you of something that St. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. There are a variety of gifts in one spirit. Each of us is given special gifts. To one is given wisdom, to another the ability to speak, to another faith, to another the gift of healing or working miracles or prophecy or the discernment of spirits or the interpretation of language. In other words, we are all given gifts. Each one of us has a unique gift. But here's the trick. Our unique gifts are really only usable when we are in community with one another, in relationship with one another. The profound truth of God is that we've been given these gifts to use together to bring about God's kingdom now. Now Jesus has these gifts, and we see that perhaps just like us, Jesus was a little reluctant to use the gifts that he had. If we think back to the story of the wedding in Cana, Jesus and Mary are sitting there at the wedding, and they learn that they've run out of wine. And the scene is a great one. Because Jesus, knowing he can do something, has yet to act. And Mary is sitting next to Jesus, and she leans over and she says, Hey, they need some wine. And Jesus says, What is that? It's not my problem that they ran out of wine. And can you imagine the look Mary gave him? Obviously, whatever she did was enough to make him do what she wanted him to do because she just turned to the steward and said, do whatever he says. You know mothers, right? No conversation, just the look. And sure enough, Jesus changed that water into wine. But you see, the point here is that Jesus didn't just go show off with what he could do. Mary, someone he was in obvious close relationship with, is the one who knew what he could do and reminded him of it and even compelled him to do what he could do. Community matters. Our relationships matter. And you may have heard me say before that although technically we could be Christian on our own, it is not a good idea. Because following Jesus, living into our discipleship, takes each other. We call out one another, knowing that giftedness inside. We see what others have in them, and we help them both identify it and use those gifts for the good of others. We need each other. We discern our gifts together, and we support each other in very deep and meaningful ways. Now, I imagine that not every person in these pews knows clearly what their gifts are. And yet, we can figure that out together. We come here in a church community not 
just to worship God, although that's good, not just to sing together or learn together, and all of that is good. But we come together in a church community so we can figure out what God is doing inside each of us and then have the confidence and courage, even if it comes from someone else, to use those gifts to the glory of God's kingdom on earth now. You see, as we continue this new year, I invite you to open yourself up to one another, to be vulnerable to one another, to be strong enough to show each other, especially those you are already close with, the giftedness you have inside so that through your brothers and sisters here at St. Michael, you can begin to use those gifts in ways that meet the needs of God's people all around you. And who knows, you might find yourself in the right place at the right time to remind someone else of God's truly extravagant grace. Amen.